The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is no substitute for professional care by your doctor or your qualified healthcare professional. Never disregard or delay professional medical advice because of something you've heard on this podcast or in any linked material. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Dr. Shirley neither endorses nor opposes any particular opinion discussed on this podcast. The views expressed on this podcast have no relation to those of any academic, hospital, practice, institution, or other entity with which Dr. Shirley may be affiliated. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty. This podcast is curated by Dr. Shirley Madea, MD, as the definitive source of holistic wellness through beauty. The Forever Fab podcast values truth and authenticity. We encourage our guests to show up exactly as they are, as the best version of themselves. Please note, this podcast episode contains adult language. Thank you and enjoy. This week's episode is dedicated to fluidity. The topic of this week's episode is Solid Goldie. Music, fashion, and making the world a better place. Welcome to my interview with Franny Goldie. Welcome, Franny. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Francine Vicky Gold. I mean, that sounds like, (laughs) I mean, you know, Francine Vicky Goldie. Francine Vicky Goldie is an American. A lot of ease. I love it. It's perfect. Francine, you see, Vicky Goldie, it just works is an American songwriter, musician, singer, and writer. Her songs have appeared on more than 100 million, yes, I said 100 million records worldwide. Goldie has received awards for singles with several members of the music industry glitterati, including the Pussycat Dolls, Randy Travis, Selena, Jody Watley, the Commodores, Jessica Simpson, Christina Aguilera, Whitney, and more. She also wrote the song for the Dennis Edwards and Garrett duo. Don't look any further, which was my jam. I was telling Franny at the beginning before we started recording this podcast. And it has become one of the most frequently and widely sampled tracks by rappers and dance artists internationally, including Snoop Dogg, TLC, Tupac, Junior Mafia, Notorious B.I.G., and Lauryn Hill. Her IMDb page, that is Franny's IMDb page, is epic. Franny continues to write songs. Moreover, she's added yet another gift to her repertoire, fashion design. What a pivot, right? (laughs) She currently designs an entire line of clothing and accessories under her name. And her line fulfills the needs of the modern woman and helps you to look good to feel good. I echo that motto. It's a collection of updated and fluid basics, clothes that you can live in, layer up, and mix and match, and they can take you from morning to evening in style and comfort. And it all started with a pair of pants. These pants were so perfect that they were named, quote unquote, the magic pant by Oprah Style Guru. And who doesn't need a pair of, you know, pants, especially if they're magic? (laughs) She's also a philanthropist 
and an advocate for mental wellness by serving and sitting on the board of Music Men's Minds. I'll talk about that later. She's also a member of the Women's Alzheimer's Movement and has been honored as an architect of change by Maria Shriver. Franny, those are just a few of the incredible things that you have done and continue to do in your life. Again, I am so grateful for your presence. Congratulations on all of your success and thank you for becoming a beautiful member of the Fab Five community. Thank you. <laughs> let's, let's get started. I'm not gonna try to sing, okay? Because I was a soprano too in high school and that was about it. I'm sure you were wonderful. <laughs> I thought so in my own mind, but didn't. I better stick with my my day job. So, Franny, what did you aspire to when you were growing up, and did you always know that you wanted to be in music? I think so. Um, I always, you know, played around on the piano, and of course, learned. Uh, chopsticks and, uh, <laughs> you know, the typical um, heart and soul. And uh, once I learned heart and soul, that was a huge thing for me because that was four chords. Yeah. And those four chords could become rock and roll songs or pop songs if you change them up a little. And once I discovered that, I was off and running. Um, I never studied formally, but I had a terrific ear. And um, I just, I loved, loved music. I loved the way it made me feel. I slept with a transistor radio under my pillow <laughs> every night. Wow. And um, yeah, I was exposed to a lot of music by both my mother and my father. And um, I, ju I think because it emotionally made me yeah. feel good and I had a rough go in my childhood, it was the one thing that I could hold on to that I felt understood me, even wow. though it couldn't speak to me, it spoke to yeah. me. And yes. um, so I, I think that was, it was inevitable. That's beautiful. I mean, you are—you obviously have natural talent for it. You have another kind of intelligence for it. I don't have musical intelligence, but you do. And as importantly, and, and it's funny because I ask you, I ask a similar question later. Not only do you hear it, but you feel it. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, that's 100%. amazing. Now, how did you get your first break in music? Well, there was a few of them. Um, my <laughs> actual very first, first, first break um, was, well, in grammar school, I, I used to p uh, play for the assembly hall. So that was sort of a little break. Yes. Um, but I worked uh, in Chicago. I had a uh, part-time job in a um, what was it like a piano bar restaurant, a small restaurant on Rush Street in Chicago? Yes. And um, I soon uh, figure out figured out that I was not as good as a waitress because I had to carry trays and drinks and 
there was always a lot of mishaps. And finally, <laughs> the owner was like, no, this isn't working. And I said, well, I'm really good with people. I said, can you just try, I need a job. Can you just put me with people? And I can seat them and greet them and make them feel good. So uh, he did. One night this guy came in and uh, sat at the uh, piano bar and took over the piano, started playing. I was blown away and I, I was like speechless. I had never seen anyone that close, that talented. And um, I got up the nerve and afterwards, uh, when he was sitting at the bar a little later, I walked up to him and I said, do you want to start a band? <laughs> Just like that. And he was like, what? <laughs> Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> I said, well, I work here part-time. I really think you're amazing. I'd love to start a band. I've been thinking about starting a band. And he was like, okay. And I said, I'm serious. And he, somehow I got him to give me his number. I called him the next day. Um, he actually had me come over and audition. And he was very tough. And I played him a couple songs. And the next thing I knew, we had formed a little band. So cool. That is so cool. I'm going to remember that story and it's not even my story. <laughs> so, yeah, and we got a job there soon thereafter and we, uh, we got a year's contract to play at this club called the Gate of Horn in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we added to our ensemble and ended up with uh, four band members and it was an incredible ride. And uh, that was the beginning. That is an awesome beginning. <laughs> you, you, you definitely started that. You definitely lit that fire. Because had you not had the, the nerve, the courage, the gall, the audacity <laughs> to go up to this total stranger and be like, oh, you, dude, I got you. Let's start a band. Uh -huh. I love it. <laughs> Burr, zhuzh, sass. Yeah. Excellent. All good Thank traits. You. All good traits. Now, what or who inspires you to write? Uh, getting back to the writing aspect of your music, and is there a specific creative process? And if there is, describe it, or does it just flow? Whoa. Okay, that's a lot of <laughs> questions. Um, well, I I made up songs like uh, you know when I once I as I said learned heart and soul. I would make up little songs from those chords. Okay. Um, and sing to myself and, you know, have fantasies of being on stage and what have you. Wow. Um, as far as writing, um, uh, my partner, this guy that I met, his name was Tony Zito. Um, he was an incredible writer. And I... I felt like, well, if I'm going to be part of this band, I need to start, you know, writing some songs. So I wrote a few songs um, and, you know, they had to sort of go through him. So he was very, had high standards. So I had to really work hard. Um, and, and that was good for me. It was kind of a kick in the butt. 
and um, and I, you know, slowly but surely had a few songs in our repertoire. Um, as far as when I became a professional, I guess you could say, songwriter. Yeah. Um, I, you know, as far as inspiration, I mean, it could be anything. It could be somebody playing a chord on a guitar. Wow. It could be somebody playing a chord on a piano or a melody. It could be me playing a melody. Um, something that might have happened to me within the last week or the morning of a writing session mm. that stayed with me emotionally, whether it was a good thing or a tough thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember like one song, I'm just coming to my mind right now as you're asking me that question. Like uh, we wrote this song for, um, I co-wrote a song for Faith Hill and we were writing this song and my co-writers uh, played a chord and I was just feeling kind of down that day. And the mm -hmm. opening line of the song is, you know, how do I feel? Well, I feel so alone. Mm -hmm. And that inspired the rest of the song. Um, and it just went from there. So it could be anything. Wow. Um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, like, uh, working with Tom Snow, and he played uh, a little melody that he had going and that was just stunning. It was so, um, I don't know, haunting to me. Mm. And he played this little melody, and all of a sudden I went, late at night when all the world is sleeping. And I, it just, yep. like, came. I just got a chill when I, I know I did too. I got a chill because it, you know it's like where does that come from? I don't yeah. know. I, you know, it's almost like you feel like a vessel, like you're channeling something mm -hmm. from somewhere you don't know where. You're just grateful it's coming through you. Yeah, and I I don't know. It's a really tough question when. You know, people say, where did, I don't know where it comes from. I wish I could bottle it yeah. and it could be anything. That is a gift for sure. So what you just described, um, being a channel and, and being grateful that it comes through you because you are communicating and you are helping to heal with your music. Would you agree that for you, um, creating music is a somewhat spiritual process? Definitely. Definitely. And, you know, when you say healing, not only is it healing to others, but healing to, you know, me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's like when people come up to me and say, oh, my God, that song, I used to listen to that song like all the time or that song yeah. brought tears to my eyes or yeah. that song made me feel, you know, reminded me of something in my past or whatever it is. It's such an honor to be part of a, a, a total stranger's life yeah. and know that somehow you had a little itty bitty part in their 
uh, emotional uh, story. Yeah, well-being. Yeah. Emotional so would you well-being. So would you say that that is one of the things you love about being in the music industry, or is there something else? No question. I mean, and you know that, and of course the um, the relationships. Yeah. Uh, that are so deep. It's such an intimate relationship to write with somebody. Mm. Um, you know, it's sort of like your musical husband or wife. Wow. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, and the authenticity and the, um, I mean, I've cried in writing sessions or gotten hysterical laughing or, you know, lots of emotions come yeah. out. A lot of writing sessions start with what's on your mind, almost like a therapy session mm -hmm. for both, you know, for the writers. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's quite a remarkable gift to have been given to uh, have been able to be in that, that world. Yes. And when you are writing and when you are in these writing sessions, do you sometimes have a specific artist in mind that you'd like to write for or are you just writing for? <laughs> That's a great question. Oh, good. Every, every time for me, for me as speaking, I don't know if this is true for everyone, but every time I have said, let's write this for so-and-so, Yes. Never happens. Really? It's always that never, never, ever, never, 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 ever. It's always that song that's kind of like you would never even imagine. It was like, oh, oh. And, and, and that's the one that ends up getting picked up. It's kind yeah. of bizarre. That's very interesting. Now, you talked about what you loved about the music industry. Is there anything you would change about the music industry? Oh, my God. That's it. <laughs> um, wow. Was that another Zowie question? Questions. I do um, my research, and I really don't want to waste your time. So I, I want to make this entertaining for you, but, you know, really wow. deep. So I try to do my work. I hope I'm honoring you with good questions. You are. I think. <laughs> hold on. Hold okay. on. Let me think. Um, okay. Is there anything I would change or that I don't like change? Well, um, either, either. You can answer either. Uh, you know, I mean, there's, there, there's things, I guess, in every profession that you could say you'd like to change or that could be better. Um, uh, God, I mean, I can't, you know, the memories I'm left with are such wonderful, amazing Good. memories. It seems, wonderful. you know, how like if you're in pain or you're in, a, in the hospital or whatever, and then you always sort of the, the bad stuff kind of goes yeah. away and you have, you're left with good memories. You don't remember the pain. Um, yes. And, you know, I wish I could have gotten to certain people that I couldn't have access to um, that were more difficult to have access to. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, 
but all in all, even with the tough moments and, you know, not always getting to the artist you'd like to get to or being frustrated because you don't know whether or not the person you want to hear your song heard your song. Oh, okay. Um, I can't think. And of course, when downloading started and everybody oh. panicked and didn't know where the music business was going. Yes. Um, it was just a, a magical ride. Okay, good. I'm so happy to hear that. I am. Now, speaking of access, um, is there an artist with whom you have yet to and would like to work with? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, You've worked with so many incredible artists, and you yourself are a phenomenal you artist. Is there episode someone that you're found. thinking, you know the what, I would really love him or her to hear this song, and I would like this person to by Dr. actually Madeer, help me put it out there. Live Anyone? And help make the world a more beautiful Not place. Not really. It's more people I'd love to hang out with and ah. be in there. Uh, in their space, you know, yep. like I don't know, Donald Fagan, Stevie Wonder. Oh wow, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, yes. There's people I, I would love to just be in their ether and hang out. You know, Carol yep. King. Uh, yes. More of that. Gotcha. I got it. And you talked about writing sessions earlier, so. They are collaborative, obviously. Would you say that you um, work better collaboratively or alone, or is it a combination? I'm a, I'm a collaborator all the way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, what's your favorite type of music? Like in your downtime, you know, when you're by yourself or grocery shopping, whatever, and you've got some earbuds in. What do you listen to? Oh my god. <laughs> Mostly podcasts and audiobooks. Really? <laughs> Randy, seriously? <laughs> but if I'm if if I'm listening to music, anything like I just put together a playlist um, recently of all disco music. Just because oh, I was cool. thinking about the seventies and I was like, oh my god, I haven't heard any great disco music in a long time. Yeah. Um, but let me see. I, uh, I mean, it's everything. I'm going to look at my little playlist here. Please do. Um, I'd love to know what's on your playlist. I mean, there's so much. I've got different playlists for different moods. Um, I do the same. I've got a dance yeah. playlist. I've got a meditation exactly. playlist. Yeah. I've got like uh, Africa by Toto, Minute by Toto, yeah. Doobie Brothers, the In My Life, Beatles, the Art of Babylon Sisters, Daily Dance, Lovely Day, Bill Withers, Sailing by Christopher Cross, uh, Blackbird by The Beatles, My One and Only by John Coltrane. Uh, what a wonderful world, Louis Armstrong. Yeah. I mean, it could be anything. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, just so many Frank Sinatra. 
I recently downloaded songs in A minor just to hear it again, Alicia yep. Keys. Yep. Um, and I'm in love with this girl that I saw on America's Got Talent. She got the golden buzzer from Simon Cowell. Her name is Nightbird. Okay. She's got uh, terminal cancer. Oh my God. And she's got this song that just, I was in tears. Um, it's so beautiful. And so I'm going to look her up. She's amazing. Just amazing. Her name is Nightbird with an E at the end. Okay. And, um, and, and Nightbird with just an N? Yeah. N-I-G-H-T-B-I-R-D-E. And the song is called It's Okay. It's oh, wow. Okay. And oh it's just so life-affirming and beautiful. Um, you know, um, but, you know, I was listening to Michael Jackson. I was MJ. listening to Chance the Rapper. It yes. could be anything. Yes. Anything. So wherever so, your mood goes, your so. music follows. Yes, exactly. Super cool. Exactly. Now describe the moment. Um, we're going to pivot a little bit into your pivot or hemi pivot since you're still right. You're doing both. Describe the moment when you decided to go into fashion. And so like what was the evolution of your fashion line? How did it start? Um. Well, that's pretty much what I'm doing full time right now. Okay. Um, well, you know, the music business was changing, as I had mentioned. People started downloading. Yes. Everybody was sort of like panicking, figuring out, you know, what's the new paradigm going to be. And, yes. um, uh, and a lot of artists were not as dependent on songwriters anymore. A lot of them mm. were hooking up with producers or writing their own music. And um, so, and at the same time, my husband, who was a record producer, uh, was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah. So I'm that sorry. was pretty as you can imagine, devastating. It turned our world upside down. Yes. Um, and, you know, I was going through a lot of emotions, um, you know, grief, sadness, kind of anxiety, panic. What am I going to do? How am I going to navigate this? Trying to be, you know, strong for him and of my course. son. It was just intense. Yeah. Um, and uh, <clears throat> I decided to sell my music catalog just oh. so I would have a little cushion. Okay. Um, I did not sell my writer's share, which I still own, but my publishing share. And, um, you know, at that point, I was thinking, you know, what can I do? Um, I can't make the kind of music or money I used to make in the music business. And I couldn't get a nine to five job because that wouldn't, you know, begin to cover our expenses or my right. passion. And, you know, so I'd been doing these uh, school fundraisers for my son's school. And um, <clears throat> after I'd kind of, uh, uh, 
ask too many favors of my music friends. Like, will you sign this guitar? Will you sign this CD? Will you do this? I decided I would open a boutique because a lot of the moms would ask me, where'd you get that? Where did you get that? Oh, I love that top or whatever it is. So I did a, a boutique in the school gym. I sold out. Wow. And then like the following week, like the moms were calling saying, my sister saw this, my cousin saw that, my mother-in-law this, you know, can we come to your house? Do you have more? <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, whoa. And um, so that kind of segued into selling clothes out of my house, trying to keep it up, you know, yeah. trying to find things that I thought people would like. And in the midst of all this, I found this fabric that I really loved, but I didn't love the style. It was a pant, but I did not <laughs> like the pant. I just loved the fabric. And um, I must have spent, I don't know, several months downtown going from place to place to place looking for this fabric. Yeah. I finally bought several pair of these pants, cut them up, safety pin together with the fabric of let's say three pair of pants what I thought was the (laughs) pant I wanted yes and one day I found the fabric and when I went to uh order it and and see how to get it it was overseas they said Mm -hmm. that it was an exclusive fabric to another company and they couldn't sell it to me So I was really freaked out because I'd spent so much time trying to find it. Long story short, one day I got an email and I was still doing the clothes and selling out of my house and praying about this fabric. Um, (laughs) I got an email saying, I can sell you the fabric. Oh. Now. And I'm like, okay. And they said, well, we do have a minimum. You have to order a thousand yards. Oh my gosh. I didn't even know what that meant or what it looked like. It was like, okay. So I ordered a thousand yards. One day my doorbell rings. These guys come in and we have your order. And they start bringing in these rolls of fabric. I had to clear an entire room oh my God that I had laid down to, you know beach towels so it wouldn't ruin my carpeting and they just kept stacking up these rolls of fabric it was insane oh my gosh. um and that's how it, it all started I finally <laughs> had the fabric yes. I was the fit model and I found different pattern makers described and showed them my little template I had. Yes. And that began my journey of creating the magic pant. Fantastic. And again, you said you started it. <laughs> Just like, yes. you know, going up to that man at the piano bar, you started you're like, I need this fabric, <laughs> sell it to me. <laughs> and then it arrived, you manifested it. And there you go. There you go. The architect of your destiny. I absolutely love it. So now that you are doing this mostly full time, what does fashion mean to you? And 
and what purpose does it serve in your life? It, it isn't clearly it isn't just putting on something great. Well, I've seen what, you know, like just as music moves people and creates an emotional feeling, yes. I absolutely have seen with my own eyes what great clothes and great fitting, figure flattering, if you will, yeah. clothes can do to somebody. Yeah. It can change their entire mindset and give them empowerment, make them feel good as music does. Um, and, you know, can give you a new outlook and make you feel differently than you knew you could feel. Yeah. Um, I, I love it. I mean, I, I love having a business where I can kind of see somebody and say, yeah, I can look at them. I've got to the point where I can look at somebody and I can say, okay, this would look amazing on you. And I can even kind of pinpoint what size they are. Wow. And I'll dress them and they mean, oh, no, 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 that's not going to look good. I can't wear that. And then they put it on and they look in the mirror. I've had people cry. Wow. And, um, I also love, I saw some woman on the news and she was just this amazing teacher that uh, really um, was able to help her stu students during COVID. Uh, yes. And, and um, some of them were, were homeless at this point because of financial problems and she found every student and was able to give them books and lessons and keep the learning process going, even during the trying times. Yes. She was on a news piece on TV. I tracked her down and I sent her a little mini wardrobe. Oh, I, wow, I just, Franny. You know, wanted to, in some small way, say, Thank you for being a great human being and for doing something wonderful yeah. for your community. That's incredible. You know, and, and you can't do that. I mean, you can do it with a song, but it's not theirs. This is something yeah. they can own. So That's I love fantastic. that aspect of it. Yeah. Sounds similar to your music. I mean, that too, in a way, fashion is healing. It is healing. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And uh, and other than recognizing that you can also affect someone's life emotionally uh, through obviously music and through fashion, would you say what would you say is the another significant thing you've learned about the fashion industry itself? Well, it's way harder than the music business. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> well, uh, let's put as difficult. I mean, yeah. it, it's, there's so many facets to it. Um, the one thing, I mean, the biggest lesson I've learned, I would say, is that hire great people mm -hmm. and give up control. Ah. Let, let people who know what they're doing do what they do best, mm -hmm. and you do what you do best. And, um, 
yeah, I got to a point where I felt like my business was going to either explode or implode. <laughs> and that's when I was lucky enough. And everything's happened very organically yeah, to that. find this woman uh, who has taken my business and just helped me grow it. And, um, and you know, it's giving up control, letting her take yes. the reins. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Have any past or present designers influenced you? Oh, probably everything I've ever worn <laughs> or cut up or re-sewn <laughs> or safety pinned. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I see things all the time. I mean, even from when I was little and buying stuff at uh, learner shops and uh, in Chicago. Um, yeah, I, it's funny. My closet yes. is just the history of my wow. life. I don't throw much That's cool. out. That's cool. And I'll save things from like the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, Amazing. Um, 90s. And, and something, you know, I'll spark an idea like, why did I love this? Yeah. And, you know, what would I change about it? What would I do to make it different? Um, and I'm so very kind. Go ahead. Sorry. No, please can finish. I'm sorry. I, I'm very conscious of people's bodies and how they change as we get older and what oh, yeah. we want to uh, kind of camouflage, if you will, and what we <laughs> want to accentuate. Yes. And, um, you know, and I, and I, uh, I love being able to do that and share it. Yeah. Yes. And you do it well. Is that that cashmere? Shawl, no, that, that gray one, the, the Marseille wrap, which oh I oh my gosh, loving right now. It is beautiful. Thank you. I went, Thank I went you. to buy that gray cashmere wrap, and both gray and ivory are sold out. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> are we out of it? Yeah, <laughs> very out. Okay. All good, it's but that's crazy. okay. I love what you're wearing. I'll I'll switch to that instead. Yeah. Okay. All right. Awesome. <laughs> So it sounds as yeah. if there's some similarities between your creative process and music. It it flows and anything could inspire you. Totally. And your creative process in, in fashion design, it also flows and anybody can inspire you. Me physically any form can inspire you. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. Hundred percent. Excellent. Excellent. Hundred percent. And you know, we make and we design and manufacture the bulk of everything that we sell, but I also will find things like we, I, I curate. So, you know, and that's what we call Franny's picks. Ah. Um, I find things that I go, Oh my God, I need this or my customers <laughs> will love this. So yes, we're going to carry this for spring or fall or, you know, um, so Franny's yeah, picks, so that's your curatorial everything. edit. Yes, that is kind of like the boutique, the edit, and um, just things I find. Like, I'll just, give me a second here. Yes, yes. Just as a, for instance, like when um, we started making masks. But yes, it was I saw that. Pain, 
And, you know, you're constantly like this. And, yep. you know, and then you, where did I put it? What's where did going I put on? it? So I found this woman that makes these amazing, beautiful mask chains. Oh, yeah. And I we said, oh, my God, we need to sell those. And even now, I'm still a little, I'm not throwing complete caution to the wind. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, if I go in a grocery store or yes. a store in general, I will yes. want to wear my mask. I'm with so, you, Franny. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So this way, I almost wear it as an accessory. I yep. just, you know, put it on like a necklace, put it on and it's there. there I need and it. I just go like this. It's always on. I agree with you. I still wear a mask. I mean, I hear about breakthrough cases and variants. And, you know, as a physician, exactly. I'm, I'm hyper cautious about those things. So I still wear the mask for those reasons. And this, you know, the other reason is that I have so many masks that mask, you know, that match so many outfits. What am I going to do with them? I'm going to wear them. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But if I see something that I love, like that mask chain thing, it's like, okay, well, I didn't make it. but I, you know, there's room for everybody and I love it. And I want my customers to have them. That's very generous. That's very loving of you. And that's, that's very empowering of you to, to help support your tribe. Thank you. You've been listening to part one of the Forever Five podcast. Stay tuned for part two. You've just listened to part one of Forever Five podcast. Please stay tuned for part two coming up next.